The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. Kent Swanson, Arrowhead Pride. This is the laboratory. It's the Friday edition Thank you all so much for coming and hanging out with us. Got a lot to talk about. And by us, I mean my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Giving me a stink eye anytime I deviate even slightly away from the intro. Matt gives me a look. Hi, Matt. Oh, and this this is the look of daggers because I, I sometimes just can't get a wild card. He comes in here like a wrecking ball sometimes <laughs> and just starts shouting things off. Like, you don't know how many times we have to redo these intros sometimes before we get the perfect one that fits the Hollywood Starson mold. That's right. Starson, that's because if we can sell enough KC draft guides using the promo code STASH, Kent Swanson will shave stars into his sideburns this weekend. And then he will take photos, we will take videos, and we will make him go to the grocery store. Right, Craig? That's true. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to make him have to go and do a lot of things with Starburns. Kent Starson, Matthew, you're a genius. I don't... I. (laughs) That's amazing. That's incredible. I, I have nothing more to add. Kent, would you like to intro and tell people where they can find the draft guide so that they can make you turn into Kent Starson? I will gladly volunteer to go to the grocery store. <laughs> you got to make me buy something. You got to I have to check out of the store with toothbrush. One okay. Pink. Color preference? Pink? Okay. Cool. All right, go to gum.co/kcdraftguide21. You can get uh, with the promo code STASH, S-T-A-C-H-E, you can get the KC Draft Guide for 8 bucks. There is a chance if we sell 150 by Friday, I will indeed starburns my sideburns. There are a lot of milestones along the way to 150 that can that can happen too. Oh, by the way, at 150, Craig will also grow out a handlebar for the next two months. Are you basically just going to grow a handlebar out until draft day? Oh, I'll have to go longer than that to make it a true handlebar. This might go through the summer. Like, this is how oh. long. I'm going to commit to the bit. Like, this is going to be a thing. Craig's pool You're... look at the pool will be a handlebar mustache. Just soak that in. And and no, don't soak me in at the pool. I will blind you with, with my lack of tan, but <laughs> I will have a handlebar mustache. 
Me and uh, me and Craig will do a do a mustache at a hundred, and Matt's gonna do a, a horseshoe and a soul patch. And I will gladly play dodgeball with my child out in the yard. Yes, think of dodgeball. Ben Stiller's character in dodgeball, the horseshoe with the soul patch right underneath the lip. That's what Maddie's got to do. We have someone that emails in or uh, does the Twitter questions called Fat White Goodman. Mm-hmm. all the time this is just buff white goodman <laughs> maddie can you change can you just change your twitter name not your twitter handle but just your twitter name to buff white goodman during the week when you have to listen do that? if i can find the correct headbands and the correct purple padded t-shirt 100 percent. Oh. and i'll do the cobra dance you guys we need to do this please do this for me like i, I don't ask I you guys be- for much <laughs> I, I will say this. I think there's a pretty good chance of of Buff White Goodman, and there is a decent chance of Starburns like ha- happening and barley <laughs> barley bar. All right, yeah. we probably can we we probably should talk. Like we're like five minutes in handlebar hop. Yeah, but right. Continue. <gasps> handle hop or just handle bar hop? I think handle bar hop. I'm here for or it. Or bar hop. Eh. Meh. Eh? Okay, so here's what we're going to do today. Uh, free agency, the big wave of free agency has happened to this point. Uh, and a lot of teams have a lot of, you know, have addressed a lot of different positions, and it really could affect the outlook of the first round of the draft. And so we kind of thought, let's look at some of the key positions, especially the positions that the Chiefs are, you know, probably going to be looking at. I think there's four very clear ones, edge, tackle, wide receiver, and corner. So we're going to look at the the free agent acquisitions of teams for all those positions, some teams that might need players at those positions in the draft and how it could shake up for the Chiefs. So we're going to start with the edge position. I'm going to read off just some of the teams that have made some big moves there. New York Jets went and grabbed Shaq Lawson. Arizona, J.J. Watt, Marcus Golden. Las Vegas went and grabbed Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, Detroit uh, went and got Aquara. Tennessee, Danico Autry, Bud Dupree, New England, Matt Judon. Maddie, big takeaways from that group and like who is staunchly likely not to be in the mix there at edge. I mean, I think that whole group kind of takes those teams out of the first round edge conversation. I mean, you could come at me and say that the Las Vegas Raiders were ready to move on from Cleveland Farrell, but I think he showed enough flashes in specific games last year the Chiefs game potentially, where there's something to be had there. I don't think they're ready to give up on the first round pick of Cleveland Farrell. I don't think that they have any ill will towards Max Crosby. So now you add Yannick and Gakwe. I just, I don't see any one of these teams looking to take a pass rusher early. The most likely would be the New York Jets with their second first round pick. But the issue you run into is they really need to save whatever quarterback they're going to have, whether that's Sam Darnold or a new guy. I don't know if you're going to spend a $15 million contract on defensive end and turn around and take another first-round talent at defensive end or pass rusher when you're trying to save whatever quarterback you have out there. Yeah, especially when you got Quinton Williams along that defensive line as well. Like you've got some some rushers there. I, these are the guys that really came out and played in free agency, and like I I don't foresee any of these teams really focusing hard on edge in the first round, which is 
good for the Kansas City Chiefs. When we do all these mock drafts, as Kent kind of said there, we talk about some of these positions that these teams are going to go out and find and take off the board in front of the Chiefs. This is now six teams that went out and spent money on defensive end and free agency. You can pretty much take off the board as not interested in a round one edge player. If you are hoping for edge play out of the Chiefs in round one, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing for you. No, for sure. I and I, you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting uh, to kind of look at some of the teams that might still need to, to the edge position too, because I think you've got to look on both sides of the coin for all this. And um, I will, I do probably need to jump here and just kind of assume too. We've got to talk real quick before we get into some of these teams that might need edge. I think you've got some players at positions that we're not really outlining right now. Like I've got eight locks. And I say locks. It's seven locks and one probably lock on top of all these players that we're talking that are going to help push players down the board that the Chiefs probably aren't going to have any chance. I think five quarterbacks are going now, boys. Mm -hmm. I think Mac Jones is is going to be gone before the Chiefs pick at 31, and I think it's a terrible idea, and that team will make the mistake. I think Mac Jones is going earlier than you think. I think Mac Jones is going well before the Chiefs pick. Top 20, Maddie. I don't think Mac Jones is going to be the fifth quarterback taken. Oh, oh my! Let's Hold have, on, oh, we gotta stop. Hang this on, show yeah. Really quick. <laughs> who is who is the fifth quarterback taken? Trey Lance. I don't think it's close, and I okay. mean, it, all it takes is one team, so that's what makes it hard. But I think if you don't think it's close, no, no. I mean, what I'm saying is Trey Lance. I don't think is close to out of the top quarterbacks, out of Justin Fields, out of Trevor Lawrence, out of Zach Wilson. I think Trey Lance is by far the fourth quarterback for that group. He's easily quarterback I four would agree. for me. I think I agree with that. I think yes. if you were able to anonymously poll all 32 teams, more would have Mac Jones as quarterback four than would have Trey Lance as quarterback four. But it only takes one team, so it all depends on the team. But I think the majority of teams will like Mac Wilson. Mac Wilson. Mac Jones more Mac than they Jones. will like Trey Lance for the simple fact that Trey Lance has such minimal experience. You haven't really seen him run an offense that is going to be exactly what they're going to do. He's thrown the ball downfield very minimally. It's been very basic and been against poor competition. I don't know if there's going to be as many teams as there are Twitter and scout analysts, you know, guys in the media that think that he's going to immediately turn it over in the NFL. So Mac Jones. Uh, okay. Okay, well, all right, let's just, let real quick, because this is very important. Um, Adam Schefter came out, I'm looking for the quote right now. He said that there will be four quarterbacks taken, and I believe the first six or seven picks. I think he said seven. I, I saw that tweet, I believe it was seven. Okay, so you believe Mac Jones will be a top seven pick? Yeah, I think I think so. If that I mean if that's where it's gonna go, I like I said, I think it only takes one team. So it all depends on the teams. Maybe you have a team that wants to run something similar to what the Baltimore Ravens do, and then obviously Trey Lance makes a lot more sense than Mac Jones does. But I think the majority of NFL teams are gonna like Mac Jones more than Trey Lance. Okay. That's interesting. So okay, well anyways, so five quarterbacks are going. Kyle Trask is not. And let's not even pretend like some team's going to try to get cute in the back end of the first round because Kyle Trask, I'm sorry. I know he's probably a nice kid. No, just no. Wolf. Kyle Pitts is going to be gone. Micah Parsons is going to be gone. You sure? Uh, yes. Okay. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, 
the off field. It's just, yes. it's just the exactly. off field that we can't know. That'll be a whole nother story in Kansas City. Oh, my. Okay. You know, All right. The juice yeah. may be worth the squeeze. Uh, I would bet on a running back going before the Chiefs pick at 31. I'm just saying. But seven or eight. On top of all these players and positions of need, like I'm, this is just kind of where I look at things. I still think a running back goes. Uh, the Giants, the Vikings, the Dolphins at 18, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Baltimore, Buffalo. Those are all teams that could go edge in the first round. So it kind of looks like the run might start somewhere in the 20s uh, for some of these guys. And Craig, I think that's the pocket you've got to really look at and identify. And if you are trying to be aggressive about an edge, you might have to be mindful of that and go up and, and grab one if you really desperately are trying to go edge in the first round. Absolutely. And luckily for the Chiefs, if that run's starting in the early 20s, it, it's not like backbreaking. It doesn't ruin your entire draft strategy if you really feel like you need to come out of the first round with one of those guys. So, I mean, like, what's that? If you're talking about maybe six guys going in between 20 to 32 range, you're talking about a whole pocket of players that are all really good. I think everybody kind of takes a look at that edge group and says, well, it's, there's a lot of guys at the top. There's an iffy depth. But if that's the case, I think that the Chiefs could probably trade up to 25 and maybe get a Azizio Jalari, a Jason Owa, a Joseph Osai. You know, guys like that that we're talking about that we thought were maybe going to go a little earlier, but because free agency was so heavy at the defensive end market, now those guys might be around that pick 25, 26 range where the Chiefs can feasibly come up. So when I see this group of teams that is going to be potentially in on an edge rusher in the first round, I highlight two teams, the Miami Dolphins and the Baltimore Ravens, as the two teams that I think are very likely to take a defensive end or a pass rusher. Because the Ravens lost Matt Judon to free agency, the Miami Dolphins, and uh, Yannick and Gakwe was there to end the year, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, yes, they lost correct. two pass rushers to free agency. Miami Dolphins traded Shaq Lawson to get a linebacker. Uh, from the Houston Texans. So they lost their second best pass rusher. So like, I think those two teams, highly, highly interested in defensive ends. Outside that, all these other teams have a handful of needs. And I think we're going to get to a few of them as we go through this still, but they have a handful of needs. So it's hard to lock them into an edge. So like Craig said, if you're sitting there looking at this edge group, who has a strong pocket of, I, I call them tier two edge rushers. Nobody of these guys should be pushing for the top 10, but you have a strong group of these tier two that deserve to be taken in the top 50 at edge rusher. And there's a good chance one or two of those guys fall to the Chiefs pick at 31. I, uh, earlier I said Shaq Lawson to the Jets. I apologize. I meant Carl. Just, just a, just a heads up there. I, you know, the, the thing for me is like the group I'm really excited about at 31 it pro it might start and stop with Jason Owa. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the guy I, you know, I know it, it was well, I'm promise you as well before he tested today. Uh, you should see where I, he stacked. We mocked him in January, right? Yeah. I believe, was he our January mock? And everybody probably. Like, so we guy, let's just operate on the assumption that Jason Owa is going to be off the board because that athletic testing is ridiculous. I mean, the, Bonkers. If, if he falls to 31, you love it to see it. Like it's awesome. But let's just operate under the impression that he's off the board and Quiddy pays off the board. It's like, who's your favorite out of the Jalen Phillips? 
Aziz Ojulari, who definitely does not fit what the Chiefs normally like a defensive end, but I'm going to mention his name anyway. Joseph Osai, Gregory Rousseau. Like, if those are who you're looking at at 31, which one of those would be your favorite, Craig? I'm sprinting to the podium for Jalen Phillips. Like, I think he fits Spags, you know, kind of profile. He he definitely fits a lot of the things that Spags wants to do. Plus, he's explosive and bendy, which are the things that I want out of my edge rusher. So it gives me the best of both worlds. It's Phillips, no doubt, but I'm also nervous. Sure. Be- there's just a lot of layers to him. You know who I've come around uh, on? Osai, because yeah. I found out he's incredibly young. I still don't. I still don't love. Him. I don't love him. I don't love it's the good. film. But that athletic testing's there. They, I mean, just like with Oa, there is this very high pedigree of athletic testing. So there's a lot to work with. Mm-hmm. He's and he's so young. I didn't realize. I mean, like now, it's always tricky. Just because a player's young doesn't mean they're going to develop more in the NFL. But he's a true junior. This guy hasn't played as an edge player. He has been an off-ball linebacker edge hybrid until this season. Now they kick him down the edge. You've seen him be good. You've seen him be bad with the level of athleticism that he tested at. Doesn't always show up on the field, but that he tested at. There's a lot there. So it's just, he interests me. I would understand a team like the Chiefs taking him at the end of the first round. But I think Gregory Rousseau is the kind of, kind of the guy that everyone's sleeping on that would make a lot of sense for the Chiefs. Oh, he definitely makes sense. Joseph Osai might be 19 years old. He immigrated here when he was very young. He was born in Lagos, Nigeria. So they just don't have a good bead on when his birthday is. We don't have a good bead on a lot of these guys that are born, you know, in Kansas City or wherever, but we just don't have a good bead on him. He might be a crazy young prospect. I, uh, I'm still not there with Osai. Fair. Sorry. <laughs> and this is, this is young guy. Uh, but the motor is on, real with him it's probably going to be joe Tryon. i mean i have the lowest grade <laughs> be- on anybody out of osai's like i want to put that out there i have the lowest grade on him i am not a huge joseph osai film fan at defensive end it's just the testing numbers with the potential of being panay sewell's age who and we talk about all the time it's just like i think that's something that teams will cover and he might even be the second the first edge off the board who knows in this class but essentially i think what we're getting at is as long as it's not joe Tryon. There's going to be a lot of edges that would be a great pick at 31 because of how many teams signed some edge players to big contracts and free agency. I don't want Aziz Ojolari either, by the way. I'm also not super mad at Joe Tryon. It's just if all those guys are there, then I'll be a little mad at Joe Tryon. Correct. All right, let's look, yeah. let's look at tackle. Let's move this thing along a little bit. This will be quick. Yeah, Trent Williams is really the only tackle that changes the plans currently, I think, for a lot of football teams. Uh, I think that their list is not particularly long, and there's a lot of teams that could potentially look at the tackle position. What I think is going to be interesting about this moving forward, though, is there are several tackles in this class that don't meet the tackle thresholds potentially for arm length. But let's just run through these teams. Trent Williams, obviously. San Francisco's out of tackle. I would be stunned if they went tackle. Chargers. I think you and and obviously we're kind of Slater and and we're assuming Slater and Panesu will probably off the board in the top ten, but we're kind of just looking from like the top ten on right. So I would assume the Chargers are going to take Christian Derisaw uh, or Rashawn Slater if he somehow falls. But you got Minnesota, Arizona, Miami, Washington potentially, Chicago, Indianapolis, Tennessee, the Jets, Pittsburgh, Green Bay. 
that's a long list of guys or a long list of teams. And some of them might just flat out make the exception on the arm length or, or maybe, you know, maybe they just deal with it because there's a lot of guys that are fringy potential, uh, you know, tackle guards. Like Jalen Mayfield, some people think may not have the arm length. Tevin Jenkins, does he for sure have the arm length? Have we confirmed that he has the arm length yet? Elijah Vera Tucker didn't. I mean, there's some guys. Jackson Carmen didn't. There's a lot of guys that are kind of iffy there from some of the measurables, and that could really shake things up along this draft in this tackle class too, Maddie. No, absolutely. And it's a big thing. I think a lot of people find it annoying how you have the NFL come out and talk about, oh, this guy's arms are too short. He can't play tackle despite him being really good against the best college pass rushers with them short arms. But I think it's been put relatively well by Jim Nagy on Twitter. The NFL spent countless man hours and money into figuring out what the physical thresholds are to excel at each position. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen every time, but the NFL's put a lot of effort into finding out that 33 inches is the general rule of thumb that that's what you need to play offensive tackle. Doesn't mean that everybody under 33 inches can't. It's just that's where your hit rate is going to be the highest. So these guys, like a Tevin Jenkins, who has been measured under 33 inches before, Elijah Vera Tucker, who is under 33 inches, those guys might not even get a chance to play offensive tackle in the NFL, which immediately moves them inside to guard. And so like if you're looking at the Chiefs, I mean, just looking at this free agency picture right now, what jumps out to me, that's a lot of teams that need an offensive tackle. Do you know how many went offensive teams went offensive tackle last year before pick 31? Six. So if this offensive tackle class is just as good or if not better with that many teams, I mean, I think it's reasonable to expect roughly six of these guys to be off the board before the Chiefs even have a chance to take a tackle. And that really takes away, if you remove the guys with arms that are too short, you have limited your draft pool a ton when you need a starting left tackle. Yeah, all of a sudden you got guys like Walker Little and Brady Christensen maybe flirting with round one because teams need tackles so badly. Now, teams are also smart enough to probably not take some of these, you know, day two talents that early. But uh, yeah, if you take Elijah Vera Tucker and Tevin Jenkins off the board and there are that many teams that need tackles, like everybody that's counting on the Chiefs to just be able to walk right in and grab one of these guys at 32, you might struggle with that a little bit come draft. Oh no, Greg, we pick 31. Not 32. Uh, oh, oh, God, Greg. No, I can't. I just can't. My brain doesn't you're, operate that way. You're looking at the Dylan Radins Walker Little at 31 territory if you're eliminating a guy like Jalen May- Mayfield or Elijah Vera Tucker. But here's the thing. Jalen Mayfield or Elijah Vera Tucker on the board, I'm probably just drafting him and figuring it out. Yes. You know, Let uh, them play tackle. Give them uh, – I believe – did would. you say that earlier today? Let them fail. Yeah, let them fail. I think I said that. Yeah, yesterday maybe. All I know is, I see you know I see a pocket of quality offensive linemen, very good offensive linemen, and this team needs good offensive linemen. I know I understand. Like I want the Chiefs to address tackle. Like it, it just it just gonna be interesting to see how teams shake this group up, and maybe some of them still take an Elijah Vera Tucker or a Jalen Mayfield still, because Jalen Mayfield's a better football player than Sam Cosby. I mean, for me, I'm going to look into this coming up. Over the weekend, leading up to the weekend, I'm going to look at what Andy Reid's played at offensive tackle, but I think he might be one of the coaches that actually believes that you have to have long arms. I really do. So if you're drafting an Elijah Vera Zucker, who is short for an Andy Reid offensive tackle, I can already tell you that right now, 
and he probably is shorter armed. I don't know if he's even going to get a chance at tackle. I don't know how high that, that's going to be on your board after spending all of your free agency money on offensive guard. So like you might be already limiting your pool of players that you would take at offensive tackle at 31 if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. You add on to that that just pencil in at least five, if not six of these guys off the board. I don't know if you're going to be looking at the same offensive tackle pool that you really, that as fans, we hope or think. We're like we looking at our grade sheet right now, and the sixth or seventh best offensive tackle looks really good. But all of a sudden, if you take away a couple of the short-arm guys, whether that's from the Chiefs taking them away or other teams you know, not drafting them because they're just not tackles, you're not looking at a walk-in day one starter at left tackle. And I think that's something you have to remember when you go into the draft with such a big need. No doubt about it. I mean, it, 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 if we're looking at the threshold, Liam Eikenberg may not be on the board. Yeah, Liam Eikenberg might go top 20 if these if teams the are case. taking some of these other yeah. players off the board, yes. Right. There's going to be a run that happens. But I do think it's interesting, like some of the teams that we just discussed, Miami, Minnesota, uh, Indy, Pittsburgh, uh, maybe not Buffalo. The, all, anyways, those four teams... They've already made our list twice as teams that could take an edge, could take a tackle. And so, like, you know, some of this stuff will balance itself out a little bit to some degree. And like I said, we've already got seven players, maybe eight, pretty much locked in, you know, at at certain positions, too. So, like, it's just interesting how the board shakes out. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to talk about wide receivers and cornerbacks right after this. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. We're looking at how free agency has affected the first round of the NFL draft. And we just got done talking about tackles and edge. And now we're going to talk a little bit about wide receivers. So here's some of the big moves that have been made by teams uh, at the wide receiver spot. Uh, Chicago going Allen Robinson. New York Jets going Corey Davis and Keelan Cole. New York Giants grabbing Kenny Galladay for an egregious amount of money. Washington, Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys. Uh, New England, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, uh, I guess, count. Uh, well, actually, as much money as they paid Nelson Aguilar, that does count. <laughs> uh, Miami going Wolf Fuller. You know, there's a lot of teams here that have made some aggressive moves to, you know, spend a little bit of money or make some, you know, good investments at the wide receiver spot. But I still think there's some teams here that could, you know, at, you know, obviously, you know, I, some of these guys in the first round, like you're going to look at, Philly, Detroit, they could take a receiver. Um, but then, you you know, there, there might be a little bit of gap there. There might be a little bit of gap there, like New England, depending on what New England does. But then you're looking, like, in the back half of the first round, you got Miami, Chicago, Baltimore, Green Bay. I have a take, Matthew, about the wide receiver position. I want the run on wide receiver to happen early. I want the one run on wide receiver to be aggressive to the point where players are getting pushed down the board at other key positions and the chiefs go try to identify more of a day two prospect at the receiver spot. That's kind of my approach here. That's what I want to see them do. 
or I want to see this draft look like is a bunch of receivers go off the board. So Rashad Bateman's very clearly off the board before the Chiefs go and grab him. And maybe even a guy like a Kadarius Tony or a, a Diami Brown. Somebody kind of a, a sneaky, a sneaky addition to the top 30 players in this draft. I really want an aggressive run on wide receiver to start so that maybe there's, you know, some players that help fall down the board. The issue is outside the top 10, which there are clearly some teams that should and likely will take a wide receiver inside the top 10. I mean, we've limited this pool to the Miami Dolphins the sh- who signed Will Fuller. They paid him, what, $10 million to play 15 games. So, I mean, like, it, they did bring in a receiver at a high price. We've also put them on this list for edge and offensive tackle. We have the Chicago Bears who franchise tagged Allen Robinson. They have draft. They had got a good production last year out of some other guys. It's like they're trying to move on from Anthony Miller. I mean, sure. and, and, no, no, Allen and I'm not saying they absolutely can't. I'm not saying they can't. Baltimore Ravens have been very aggressive after wide receivers. The Green Bay Packers, every fan wants them to take a wide receiver. If they ever will in the first round, we don't know. Like, that's it. We have four teams listed outside the top 10 as we think high fits for a wide receiver. I don't know if you're going to get a run on receivers as much as you might just have some teams kind of pick at them throughout the first round of the draft because the teams that really needed them, you know, the Jets, the Giants, the Redskins, the Patriots, I mean, even the Dolphins when they addressed with Will Fuller, they went and signed guys in free agency. They filled their holes in free agency like most teams do. So now when it comes to the draft, they're not pigeonholed into taking a wide receiver. So I'm going to ask Craig, how many wide receivers would you feel comfortable with the Chiefs taking at pick 31 in the first round? I mean, there's there's quite a few. I I mean, especially since, like you're saying here, they're going to pick at some of these guys. And because of the quality depth in rounds two, rounds three, rounds four, five, you know, it, it's a very, very deep receiver class. You're going to see some of these teams, like you said there. Like, these guys may not go at an early wide receiver because they've got good enough depth at that position and know that they can circle around in, like, round two, round three Get a guy that's going to be good, not to the level of the round one guy, but then they can grab another asset. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that a guy, one of the top guys, falls to the mid-20s. And if one of the top guys falls to the mid-20s, Brett Veach is going to have a hard time resisting that. And I don't know that I could blame him. Like I don't necessarily want the Chiefs to go round one wide receiver because I think they've got so many other needs. But I also am not against it because I'm fine with insulating Patrick Mahomes with plenty of weapons. And I'm I'm not going to argue with a Devonta Smith or a Jalen Waddle or a Rashad Bateman at that situation. So here's how I here's here's my hope. I hope Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle all come off the board early. I think the deciding player on how the wide receiver position shakes out in the first round is Rashad Bateman. I think so too. Where where Rashad Bateman goes, I think could really put a pre- some pressure potentially on some teams to go out and grab a guy like the Elijah Moore, um, or even Diame Brown, Kadarius Tony, some of those type players. If if Rashad Bateman comes off the board early enough, you could see some teams decide that they want to be more aggressive for some of those guys, and that's kind of where I. You, I kind of want all or nothing for the, in some of these spots. It's either all or nothing. Right. You, you want a, one of the top guys to fall, or you want the mid tier guys to be off the board by the time. I want pick. Elijah Morgan. I want Kadarius Tony. So gone. can I pose a question? I will celebrate. I will hold on real quick. I will celebrate profusely if Kadarius Tony gets drafted before the Chiefs pick at thirty one. 
Anyways, what did you say? Matthew? I just want to ask a question because I think that Rashad Bateman will be off the board. I don't know if he is my linchpin to this wide receiver run. I Ooh. think it's going to be Devonta Smith. I Ooh. think that you, size. Do you think Bateman's going before Devonta? I do. I do. I think his story about why he started this year a little sluggish with COVID is going to check out with teams. That's going to make a lot of sense. The fact that he tried to come back, play through it. He still has amazing tape from 2019. He's tested a lot better than anybody thought he would. He has good size. He's got very good film. If you go back to 2019, I think Devontae Smith's size, I mean, the guy weighs 170 pounds. He came out, he weighed four scouts. If he thought he could add more weight, he would have waited until Alabama's second pro day. He didn't weigh four scouts. He told them what he weighed. He let everybody know he weighed 170 pounds. I think that that is going to make him slide. I really don't think he is going to be this lock third wide receiver. There's a chance he's the wide receiver that falls. So if that's the case, let's even say all the way down at pick 31, Devontae Smith with his 170 pounds is sitting there. The Chiefs need an ex-wide receiver, a possession wide receiver, a big guy to play in the red zone, to work over the middle of the field. Are you taking Devontae Smith? Or are you taking T-Rex armed Tevin Jenkins? No, I'm taking Devonta Smith because he plays like a man that's not 170 pounds. And I don't, I don't care. Like, he's so good. He shouldn't be there. But if he is there because a bunch of GMs are dumb, as I've talked about multiple times on this podcast, I'm 100% taking him. Kent, who are you taking there? Uh, I think I'm taking Tevin Jenkins. And if you kind of look at like where we have Devonta, the gap between where we have Devonte Smith and Tevin Jenkins in the guide right now is not a giant crater. Like let's, it's just, it's a, it's a reasonable gap. It's, you know, 14 to 19. Both of these guys are in the teens right now for us. I think positional value right now for this team leans itself towards tackle. And to Maddie's point, I love Devonte Smith. And if you'd asked me this three weeks ago, I might've said the same thing. I think I think you're gonna have some identity crisis like you've had with some of the other players in this you know in this receiver group. You're gonna have some struggles to try to fit everybody. Are you gonna put him on the line of scrimmage and make 170 pound Devonte Smith try to beat press consistently? Oh no, I say for me it's easily Devonte Smith, and I was gonna say exactly why. Two things have made me feel a lot better about Devonte Smith. One. Footwork is King on Twitter talked about a lot of the wide receivers that he is trained are being told their weights to come in for the NFL from NFL teams has been a lot lower these last few years than it had been in the past. He has guys that are told to come into their training camp at 180, 185 pounds. Like that is the team's target weight for them. Devonta Smith, yeah, he's lighter than that. Like Craig said, he doesn't play there. But two, the next big one, Chad Johnson, Chad Ojosinko on Twitter has been going off on how he played at 175 to 178 pounds the majority of his career. Like, that's one of my favorite. That's probably my second favorite wide receiver of all time to Randy Moss, maybe even my favorite to Randy Moss. And the fact that he was as good as he was playing that light, and nobody would have ever guessed that watching him play, I just, that gives me a little bit of belief that, yeah. The combine numbers for some wide receivers might say Devontae Smith is bad, but you don't actually know what these guys are playing at. I mean, we know D Ford played a season at like 220 pounds. Like, we yeah. know that now. Nobody That's looking at combine numbers knows that. And he had his best season in the NFL at 220 pounds, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. So 
I can deal with the weight. Give me Devonta Smith. I will let him use his footwork. I will let him use his route running ability to beat press coverage because I've seen him do it versus SEC cornerbacks, which is as close as you can get to the NFL and college football. Before we move off of wide receiver, with all this said, the number of teams that have addressed wide receiver and free agency, the number of teams that need a wide receiver in the first round of the NFL draft, do we think that less wide receivers go in the first round of the NFL draft this year than the six that went in the NFL draft last year? I would agree that this is a better class at the top even. I think it is. I, I, but Craig, it's weird that we've been doing this show. I, I was, li- I'm literally staring at last year's draft and last year's receivers. I looked that up when we first started this conversation about wide receiver, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, this is the end of the podcast. We all mind melded. It's over now, guys. I'm sorry. Oh my God. I know about planes now. <laughs> <laughs> Look, last year, Brandon Ayuk was in the first round, and I don't think anybody really clearly identified a guy like him being in the first round Jalen Rager up and down draft stock wound up going 21st overall six receivers wound up in the first round last year I mean our six our sixth receiver right now as I scroll through the Casey draft guide big board that we're working on our sixth receiver right now is Kadarius Tony. That's that's Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Rashad Bateman, Diami Brown, Kadarius Tony. I think Tylen Wallace or not Tylen Wallace. Elijah Moore is also in the mix there too. There's seven receivers. Like I could see, like especially after testing, as well as Elijah Moore from Ole Miss did. Mm-hmm. That could be a guy that I could see sneaking in there. You know, I mean Elijah Moore, Kadarius Tony, Diami Brown. Are you as are you as surprised as those guys? As I mean, Ayuk wasn't a huge surprise, but he was a little bit of a surprise. You know. So so Kent, do you think it's more or less than last? I year? think it's. I I'm probably leaning less. I'm leaning less. I, I'm leaning less as well, and it's entirely team. But Kadarius Tony or, or Elijah Moore, Diami Brown's in the draft in the in the first round still. Oh sure. You know, like that's what I'm. That's what we're looking at. I think it's. I think it'll be less too because, like, do you we think said, it'll be four? I, I, I think there is a chance that only three or four off the board by the time the Chiefs pick. Yes, I really do. And I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to draft a wide receiver by any means. It's just when you look at the needs for all these teams and you look at where this draft is strong, where it's deep, wide receiver is definitely a position you're going to find quality players in round two. I think the NFL is catching on a little bit, slowly but surely, that you can find good wide receivers on day two. Now, Brandon Ayuk was a perfect fit for Kyle Shanahan's system in San Francisco. Wide receiver is one of the most scheme-specific positions in the entire NFL, so it's hard to predict what Joe Judge and the New York is going to want to do with his team when we have absolutely no idea what he wants to do. He might see a wide receiver like Kadarius Tony and have this perfect plan for him and take him wherever they pick in the top 10. And like, yeah, it would be a surprise, but it's something that can happen because it's such a scheme-specific position. I hear that Elijah Moore eats kneecaps, so you might want to pencil him into Detroit. Detroit at seven. You heard it here first. All right, cornerback. Washington went William Jackson. Jacksonville went Shaq Griffin. The Giants went Adoree Jackson for a lot of money for an Adoree Jackson. Denver went Ron Darby and uh, Kyle Fuller. Denver's the interesting one 
Denver's been mocked Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan for six months. And then Denver just goes out and wipes that position of need out. <laughs> I just find that extremely interesting. And maybe they're making a run at quarterback. Maybe Mac Jones is a Denver Bronco. Oh, please, please be a Denver Bronco. He's not big, fast, or strong enough for John. Elway. Listen, we got to be careful because I'm pretty sure last year we said, please let Justin Herbert be a Charger. And uh, Justin Herbert looks like he might not yeah, be he bad. Was really good. Yeah, maybe. Uh, listen. No, I don't even want to. I don't even want to talk we about have, Mac. We Jones. actually have. I, don't, I think we have decent Justin Herbert receipts as far as like grade and stuff. We had him. We top liked 10. him. We just also were like, yeah, I'm not sure that he's going to be the guy that's the franchise he's a high of the swing. Chargers. Yeah. Anyways, Mac Jones just stinks. Cornerbacks, teams that could take corner: Carolina, Dallas, San Francisco, Arizona, Indianapolis, Tennessee, New York Jets, Cleveland, Buffalo. Green Bay. Craig, there's not Caleb Farley throws a wrench into this. The the cornerback out of out of uh Virginia Tech who has some con- injury concerns for sure. Sir Patrick Sertan firmly entrenched in the round one conversation. JC Horn. I think Greg Newsom's a pretty much a lock at this point. I mean, so you've got three there. Caleb Farley is a big question mark. And then for us, it's a lot there's there's a lot of slot guys in that mix too. One sneaky name and sleeper name if a run starts on qu- at cornerback, Afitu Melifonwu, Craig. Mm, yes, I love Afitu. I've been on the Afitu train for a little while here, and he just doesn't get a whole lot of buzz despite being a big, fast, long corner. He is stiff. He's not particularly fluid, but there's a lot of schemes that he fit really, really well in. Caleb Farley coming out and having back surgery – after he had a knee injury that ended his 2019 and then he decided to opt out due to covid reasons in 2020 he had a back issue in 2019 as well and he has to have surgery on it again before this draft like it's that is horrendously concerning it would it would be one thing if it was well he had back surgery and you know teams could try and vet that the fact that he's had this issue for two years now and this is the second time that he's had to have it addressed on top of that knee on top of not playing like I think Caleb Farley as much of a freak athlete as he is and can be when healthy I think you can almost take him completely off the board at round one. I just don't think that teams are going to gamble on the medicals for him. I think there's too many question marks there. That means, yes, if Itu Malafonu definitely could slide up into round one there. I think Greg Newsom is the third corner. I agree with all of that. And there are going to be some teams that are going to target cornerbacks early. They need them. The free agency class wasn't full of really good ones that could fill a lot of roles. And because, like Kent said, there's a whole bunch of slot guys in day two and day three of this draft. I mean, it's very deep in slot corners. Boundary guys are going to go way early. So, yeah, keep an eye on Ifitu. He might slip into round one, the end of round one there. He's certainly better than Damon Arnett, who went round one last year. So now that we let Craig talk about corner, we can move on because we know the Chiefs don't care. Uh, I'm kidding here. They're not drafting a corner in round one. Let's just talk about round four corners. Okay. So 
I'm good at those. Caleb Farley. No, hold on. Let's go back to Caleb Farley because I tweeted out that him having back surgery was something. It was not nothing. I think what I said, and I had a lot of people tell me that they had had that surgery and it was no big deal. And you know, I get it. The actual surgery he had was is a pretty much a cleanup procedure. It's there to clear space to make you more comfortable, not necessarily something that is making him able to play. The issue is, this is the second back surgery he has had since playing football. He has had two back surgeries while not playing the sport of football. He has minimal tape. He is a supposed freak athlete whose only training has come working with his trainers shooting videos from like their shoelaces. Like, this is a very difficult draft profile to take in the first round of an NFL draft. Now you're throwing on medical concerns that are going to be very hard to vet because it's a back injury on a tightly wound, very muscular, highly athletic player. What does he look like if he comes out as 80% of the athlete that he's been at this point in time? What does that look like? He's not super technical right now. He's not refined. What are you getting if you don't get full Caleb Farley? So yeah, I'm with Craig here. He's a guy that might actually be there for the Chiefs at 31. And if, you know, the Chiefs green light his medicals, have at it. That's a great talent to have there, but I won't be banging the table. There's no chance I could be banging the table for him. And this, this is a fun conversation because, like, I mean, like we've established, the Chiefs aren't taking a round one cornerback. So, like, this is just for fun. This is a man. It, I would, I would though. It's a swing I w- I, for a guy that could be a blue chip. Oh, imagine. Yeah. Think about this. The Chiefs could go from the Chiefs could go from fielding Matt and Craig at corner on the way to a Super Bowl to landing back-to-back blue chips at the cornerback position. I mean... Back-to-back is an interesting way to talk about Farley's surgeries. Woof. Yeah. It's a swing, though. You don't get talent like that at 31, and the Chiefs are going to be picking at 32 for the next five years in a row. Uh, And you're not going to get a player fall of that kind of caliber. That's partially why I like the swing on Oa if he's there because everybody's going to be freaking out. Oh, he doesn't have the production. That is a rare athletic profile, and that athletic profile normally turns into an elite edge rusher. Yeah. And Jason Oa also had 24 pressures last year. Everybody acts like he didn't have production. Disruption he, he is production, baby. Of, yeah, yeah. But I, listen – Caleb Farley is a much better cornerback than a lot of guys that have gone high lately. Noah Igbenogany went high last Time year. Timeout. 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 Craig says Noah Igbenogany without any problems. Mm-hmm. That that deserves a trophy. He did last year too. He corrected me numerous times when I stumbled over that name. He'll he'll get like he'll he'll get D Ford's name wrong. Listen, Derford. I got Tono Passing No, and I got Noah Igbenogany, and those are the only two that I got in my pocket right now, all right? <laughs> Xavion Collins. <laughs> but Noah Iguana was not a player that, that we were as high on as we are, Caleb Farley. So, I mean, like, he, I think that if one team near the end of the draft, like if Green Bay decides, hey, we're willing to take that gamble, that's a good gamble. Like, that's one of the good gambles you can take there at the end of the first round. Yeah, it's a fun swing there. And it would be interesting because then the Chiefs would all of a sudden just have two stud outside corners on top of, you know. Well, I mean, I guess you, I guess Sneed isn't for sure an outside corner yet, but you get what I'm saying. All right, that is going to do it for the AP Laboratory. Thank you guys so much for listening. 
We'll be back on Monday with the mailbag. Gum.co slash KC Draft Guide 21. Promo code STASH for $8. Catch you later. <laughs>